This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. And actually, it's Purple Access, part of the Purple Daily family. Every other Thursday, we switch back and forth. Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune, joins us, joined us last week. So that means this Thursday, Tyler Fornis, my uh, co-worker and editor, actually, at VikingsWire.com, where you can find all of your Vikings coverage, basically everything that you need to know about the Vikings Available in written form and more, vikingswire.com, including my columns, which I know you'll be excited by. So definitely check that out. It's Judd, it's Declan, Tyler Fornis. And today we're going to have some fun since we have uh, boys gone into sort of the the only that I can figure dead period that this league has, which is mm-hmm. mini camp to training camp. You basically get about a month for teams to actually take breaks. So let's do this. Way too early, Vikings bold statements for 2023. So we are going to go around the room a couple times. We'll start with Tyler, then Declan, and then me. And we we will give prognostications, whatever you consider to be a bold statement. And yes, it is way too early to do that. But we here at Purple Access are on the cutting edge. So Tyler, let's start with you. Give me your bold Viking statement for 2023. Give me your first one. The Viking safeties will have more sacks than interceptions. And when, when I kind of take a look at what the Brian Flores Bold. defense is, yet you look at what he likes to do. He likes to be very aggressive. He likes to use guys in multiple spots. He likes to be confusing. He does a lot of man match. And one of the things that they started doing during OTAs is they started using Josh Mattelis as a big nickel, um, a three safety package. And mm-hmm. when you do that, gives you the ability to do more things both on the back end and blitzing because in theory safeties are going to be much quicker than linebackers now brian asamoa kind of is that hybrid guy where he's an incredibly quick linebacker that i believe he used to be a safety before uh transitioning over uh to linebacker but at the end of the day they're gonna blitz the hell out of whoever they're playing and because of that it's going to make a major impact. And I really like the idea of getting guys like Harrison Smith, Lewis Seen, Josh Metellus, blitzing, blitzing, blitzing. Look at what he did with Javon Holland in Miami. I think that's going to be a huge aspect of this defense. And I think they're going to get their interceptions, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see the Vikings safety room with 10 sacks with how Brian Flores is going to like to use these guys. I like that a lot, and I, I do think that they are going to use them. Well, one, I think they're going to do something they didn't, Tyler, in 2022, which is is 
use them wisely. Harrison Smith had a bunch of picks, but his blitz rate was ridiculously low. Like, he, this guy has so much to offer that goes beyond a traditional safety, right? And mm-hmm. Donatel basically said, yeah, you know what? Just hang back too deep. It's fine. It's like, no, it's not. So I think you're on to something, and I do think this. I think what we saw in OTAs and minicamp from Josh Metellus is a clear indication of how much they love him. Because I think he's mm-hmm. smart. I think he's smart. I think he knows multiple positions. So I wouldn't be surprised if you're right. And I think the safeties now, because it is going to be at times, essentially, I think the safeties are going to be hybrid linebackers at times and vice versa. I think you're on to something here. And I think that's going to be an absolutely key part because B-flow with that is going to confuse teams. And I think we can all safely say on this show that very few offenses, very few offenses were confused about what the Vikings were doing defensively in 2022. And the Vikings single-handedly probably got Daniel Jones paid. So I love that. And I think you're probably right. So let's also uh, go one step further. You could argue that the most important thing that a safety can have is intelligence and the ability to read and react. Like athleticism is really good for a safety, but there's a reason why cornerbacks who just can't cut it on the outside anymore transition to safety. It's because they have so much intelligence and that step down isn't as big of an issue when you transition over to safety. So Metellus, he came in kind of, like, I remember not being too excited. I thought he was just going to be a special teamer and nothing more. But he's really shown an aptitude to play this safety position. And sometimes guys can just kind of rise up like that because intelligence is so important and the ability to understand what's going on in front of you, read and react. If you react a full step quicker than somebody who's more athletic than you, that can make much more of a difference than just having that game-breaking speed. And I think that's one of the reasons, you know, just kind of trying to project and look at the situation, mm-hmm. why he's getting run and Lewis Seen isn't. I think that could yes. easily be one of the reasons. Absolutely right. All right, Declan, what is your uh, way too early Vikings bold statement? Right, let's go with uh, let's go with this one here. This guy basically posted very similar statistics in 2021 and 2022, and I feel like sometimes he's the forgotten uh, asset in this offense. My bold statement is this. K.J. Osborne will lead the Vikings in yard per catch, and he'll be top 10 in yards per catch. I think if there's going to be a deep threat option here, it's actually going to be K.J. Osborne. Um, Justin Jefferson for sure can stretch the field. And he's obviously a much better wide receiver. And T.J. Hawkinson is also in that intermediate route. Jordan Addison, we'll wait and see. I'll say, though, that K.J. Osborne is one that stretches the field. He showed a little bit of that more in 2021 than 2022. But he's going to emerge as the deep threat home run play for the Vikings as all the other wide receivers are getting attention, naturally. So K.J. Osborne cashes in, and he becomes the Vikings' leader in yards per catch. Tyler, your thoughts? Interesting. Um, I don't necessarily see him being a vertical guy, but I also, you can kind of look at it by like week seven or eight in theory, KJ Asmore should be your wide receiver four. And because he's your wide receiver four, you're going to get a lot less priority coverage. And that less priority coverage is going to make such a big deal when you're talking about that yards per catch. It's not about where you catch the football with yards per catch. It's about what you do with it afterwards. And if you're facing that, corner three, corner four, or even getting a safety sliding into the slot or potentially a linebacker without Kevin O'Connell can really scheme guys 
um, against uh, different players. I mean, remember week one, they hit Justin Jefferson against an edge rusher, Preston Smith. And we just thought it was the funniest thing. He ran just a little five yard speed out. And it was just, it was like stealing money from a baby. Like those are the kinds of things that Kevin O'Connell can do. I don't think KJ Osborne is that type of player, but when you talk about situations and when you talk about what they're going to be facing, I think Dex might be onto something. I also think that Dex is um, onto something because of, of this. We know for a fact that Kirk likes KJ. Like, there's no doubt about it. He trusts him. Don't forget, you guys, Jordan Addison has not practiced with Kirk yet. And so that's important time lost. Now, is that absolutely crucial? No, probably not. But, you know, we know that Kirk has to trust you, right? And so I think there's a very good chance, at least for the first portion of the season, that Kirk's trust in KJ is going to, and this does not mean that Jordan can't be effective, because, again, part of his effectiveness is going to be the perception of what he can do. But I think this is intriguing. And if Addison had practiced in OTAs and minicamp thus far and looked great, I'd probably say, Dex, you're definitely wrong. But I can't say that. I don't know that. So, yeah. We're off to a good start. I'm going to come in here. Juan Duran. I'm going to throw 103 right now, okay? <laughs> don't, blow, don't blow the lead, but yeah, go ahead. I'm going to throw 103 if you can hit it. You know what? If you're the Red Sox and you can hit the ball, good for you. The Vikings defense in 2023 will be top 10. Ooh. That is very high. Explain Those, your reasoning. Okay, here's why. It is my personal opinion that we fall in love far too much with individual players and names and on offense. I think that's fine. You know what? Cause if you have, if you have Justin Jefferson, you're probably going to be pretty good. Right. But what's the most important thing defensively it's athletic ability and schematics. And if you have a star player, awesome. That's great too. But I think that we are so that that we are so far down the road of this defense stinks. And the reality is, yes, personnel-wise, it was not great. But just think about how badly it was mismanaged last season. Think about again, Harrison Smith, who who I think had five picks. So like statistically, it's like, oh, he was fine, right? But he wasn't used correctly at all. Harrison Smith, I guarantee you, didn't confuse one opponent last year, which is the first time in, in his career he has never been used to cause confusion. Daniil Hunter, um, advanced metrics and sacks-wise, had a nice year. But for those of us who watched him, assuming he's back, of course, but for those of us who watched him, there were a lot of head-scratching moments of, what are they doing here? Like, this guy has an elite capability of what he can do, and you're not doing that. Does the defense, or did, did it have holes and problems? Absolutely. But you know what they're going to do? They're going to introduce a different scheme with athletes now. Because part of my problem, defensively especially, is hanging on to guys, right? Like Eric Hendricks, mm-hmm. he's been here forever. He has to play. Well, he slows down. It's not even his fault. He just does. Asamoah, for all I know, might stink. But he has the right athletic ability to also cause problems. I will always go back, Tyler, to the play, the regular season game against the Giants last year, where Asamoah flat out got beat, and he caught up to, to the guy that caught the ball, and he stripped him, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm going that B-flow, 
who I think is going to be a head coach at this time next year, largely because of this as well, that he is going to get the Vikings into probably the back portion of the top 10. And we are all going to say, this guy is a savior, but actually what he is going to do is going to make perfect sense. And if this Vikings defense does what I saw them doing in OTAs and minicamp, and I have no reason to think that they won't, I'm telling you right now, for opposing quarterbacks and offensive coordinators, it's going to times be a nightmare. I'm going top 10, back half, but top 10. See, that's fascinating to me. And I think, I really think when it comes to football, great coaching means so much. And when you, when you look at the college game, great coaching is awesome, but great talent really elevates whatever you have. And you that's why, Yes. Alabama, like they're so great every yes, Nick Saban's incredible, but they have so much turnover underneath him. And you have Dabo Sweeney, who runs just an absolutely archaic BS offense, and they, they've still won national titles with it. Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, like talent overcomes those kinds of things. In the NFL, playing field a lot more level. And because it's a lot more level, strategy and scheme mean so much and what Brian Flores is going to be able to bring to this Vikings team and help elevate them. It wouldn't shock me to see them in the top half of the league. I think top 10 is a stretch, but I also don't think it's crazy because of how good Brian Flores is. Look at what he did with that Miami team. They were abysmal. He had them in the top 10 within two years. And this Vikings defense has more talent. Yes. The thing is they're unproven the corners. You could easily have four really, really good corners in this room. You could have one. It's just such a big question mark. It's really hard to project forward. If Booth takes the step where he he should have been a first-round pick, except for the injury that kept him out of the draft process, like th- then you have two really good starting cornerbacks. Like Caleb Evans, if he stays healthy, he showed flashes, and he's better in man coverage than he is in zone. There we go. Now you've got three, and you have other players who could step up. They love Makai Blackman. Jay yes, Ward has, has ability too. Like, yep. There is potential for this group. And I'm fascinated to kind of see how it lays out. I have no idea how it's going to. And I think that is the big thing. We know one thing. It's going to be improved. It's going mm-hmm. to be improved. And and I, I think the most encouraging thing I saw from the, uh, from the two-day mandatory camp last week was this. A year ago, Kirk Cousins' head was swimming because of, of what he was being asked to digest offensively. You, you know, KOC, this, the system wasn't brand new to him, but a lot of it was and had been tweaked and things. Um, this year, his head was swimming, and it had nothing to do with what he was being asked to, to digest from an offensive standpoint. It had everything to do with what the defense was doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are... There's a few quarterbacks on the schedule who are probably going to have pretty good days. Starting in week one, though, I think a guy like, assuming Baker Mayfield starts, it might be a tall task there. So I'm encouraged. Okay, Uh, way too early, bold take number two from you, Tyler. Josh Oliver will finish above wide receiver three in receptions and yards this season. Ooh, I like it. Okay. So one of the reasons why you signed Josh Oliver is to the 12 personnel. And 12 personnel is, in my opinion, the second best personnel grouping that you can attack defenses with. Number one is 21 personnel, two running backs on the tight end. 
that also requires you to have two running backs that are incredibly diverse and you can really attack people with. Now, if you want to take like the 49ers, for example, if you put Debo in the backfield of Christian McCaffrey, that's the kind of attack that I'm talking about when you use 21 personnel guys who can do everything. And it's very rare to be able to have that. But if you do, it's incredibly lethal because you can split them out wide. You can do a lot of different things. Counters that that is something like in high school football, you have an offense that runs a lot of counters and misdirection. Mm-hmm. High school kids are not going to be nearly as disciplined as pro football players as far as reading that kind of stuff. But you can also set players up and really, and Kyle Shanahan has been known. And George Kittle talked about this on, on a podcast the other week. He will run the same run play multiple times, knowing it's only going to gain like two yards because then he's going to torch you with a play action counter to it later in the game. And with 12 personnel, you're getting great blockers and you're also for the run game. And then if they can attack you vertically down the field, it's a whole nother level. Josh Oliver is a very weird case comes out of San Jose state as a pass catcher in only. So tight end in name only basically. And he, he didn't have any aptitude for blocking. Spends two years in Jacksonville and Jacksonville was in a, a complete abyss uh, those first couple years. And then, Hey, guess what? He gets traded to the Ravens for a conditional seventh. They turn him into a blocking tight end. So now you have a guy who's a really good blocker and he still has that pass catching aptitude. Why would you want to have three wide receivers on the field? Now uh, I don't necessarily say that as KJ Osborne or Jordan Addison doesn't serve playing time. But if you have the ability to sell the run game and be able to attack vertically down the field, Josh Oliver is going to be a huge component in that. And I think you could argue that at the end of the day, he may end up becoming a better receiving option on a, on a, like a vertical level than TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson's going to be like that more intermediate guy. I think uh, Josh Oliver can really take you over the top because his bread and butter in college was running up the seam and being able to attack vertically taking out those safeties, challenging linebackers. And you, if you can continue that and do that with the Minnesota Vikings, that's going to take your offense to a different level. Kirk loves tight ends. And I think his ability to find those guys is going to be able to help take that offense to a new level because you're going to be able to get a lot of base personnel. Just you can destroy base personnel with 12. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. I love this. This is so football-y football, Very but I think, football. you're, I think you're exactly right. And I, I think that this is going to be the next, um, I think this is going to be the evolution of the O'Connell thought process, too. Like, as he, because I am convinced that there, there was a point in time last season when Kevin O'Connell wasn't able to do everything he planned based on personnel, Tyler. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this, like, like Oliver signed, and I think we're all like, oh, okay, it's a blocking tight end. That's not exciting. But to me, it's absolutely key because, as we talked about on your show a couple nights ago, everything, in my opinion, rotates around how can you make Justin Jefferson as successful as possible and causing confusion and and putting out personnel packages that you know lead teams to think one thing when you're going to try to do another 
is the most important thing. So I think that this signing is going to absolutely prove to be key from both a Jefferson standpoint and in the multitude of looks that you can now start to give opponents. Absolutely. And I wrote about the signing at the time, and I said that uh, Quasio Fomenza was attacking a um, a fiscal inequality in the market. And yeah. if you get high-end production from Josh Oliver, who I believe his cap hits under $3 million this year because of how things are structured, hello, like that's how you really exploit the market is you, you try to attack inefficiencies because – the league isn't quite valuing these guys. Nobody values a second tight end outside of a Kyle Shanahan because second tight ends, you're not paying a lot of money for that guy because of how you have to allocate resources elsewhere. So this kind of contract feels very team friendly by the end of it. He could end up like a top 15, top 20 tight end. Just look at what Bill Belichick had to do a couple years ago, paid big money for Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. Like that wasn't a mistake. He understands, and Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, you know, obviously that name is a little redacted at this point, but when he drafted those guys in the same draft, I believe it was 2010, and how they were able to dominate teams up the seams vertically and still in the running game, that made Tom Brady that much more lethal, and that's, I believe, what Kevin O'Connell's trying to do. I'll give you my next one here. It's a little bit more subjective, but I feel like I have to go down this well. Uh, My hot take is Greg Joseph is nails in 2023. Oh, here we go. I have to go down. I have to do this, right? This is the apologist that we get every time we talk about kicking. (laughs) All right, so let's let's go down the bold statements here. So uh, Greg the leg, as I like to call him, uh, his big problem last year was inside 50 yards and, of course, also missing some extra points. He has missed 10 out of 86 attempts on extra points since joining the Vikings last season. I think he gets these yips figured out. And keep in mind, he was pretty much money inside of 50 yards last year for field goals. He did not cost the Vikings any wins last season. I think this veteran kicker now in year three, I know there's a rookie in camp too that'll push him. I think that's good for competition. I love that. But Greg Joseph makes us stop sweating a little bit. He makes his extra points. He's a reliable kicker, which the Vikings have been looking for since Ryan Longwell basically left 10 years ago. Greg Joseph is nails in 2023. <sighs> I, I can't get on board. <laughs> I really can't get on board, Declan. Uh, I don't necessarily think he's bad. There is literally nothing he's shown me that says he's going to be good. And kicker is such a volatile position in general. Like Blair Walsh went from being on, on track to be one of the greatest kickers of all time to absolute booty within like five minutes. Like I'm, I don't think that there is some kind of level that he's just going to be able to just shoot the moon. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's not going to be a liability He's not going to cost us football games. I also don't think he's Justin Tucker and you send him out there and you know, he's going to hit everything that you need him to. And I, I, I can't get fully on board. I, I love kind of why you're going here. You believe in the guy. And I think he's good. He's made some big kicks for this team, the saints game, the giants game. But I also don't think that he's this next level kicker. He's a guy. And if you ended up going with Jack Lesney, I don't think you're going to be losing much at all. And to me, that's the biggest telltale sign with what a kicker really is. Is G. Joe going to make his PATs? That's my only question. I think I think he'll miss probably about what he did last year. And honestly, and I mean, I know that happens now, but unless you have a top tier guy, that's just go for two. Fifty percent of two point conversions are made. You might as well just start doing it if he starts missing them. Teams don't don't though, right? Like there there has not been a statistical trend towards that. I think there will be in time, 
But okay. part of the problem here is Judd, it, this, the new age of analytics and understanding a lot of these little nuances in the game of football is so new. You have a lot of people who have been so ingrained with the old school way of football. Like even guys like Kevin O'Connell, like they're not fully ingrained in it because they grew up with, Oh, you just kick an extra point. Like he was drafted in 2008. Like, about 2008 was when Bill Belichick made that fourth and two call against Peyton Manning. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I will defend that call until the day I die. Cause if you give Peyton Manning that football back, he's going to torch you. And he did. Yep. So you try and beat him. Yep. And I think that way of football is not going to be fully ingrained until probably like 2040, because by that point, it's not going to be newfound technology. It's going to be more commonly accepted year after year he's after dead year. By then Fornis. That doesn't no, help me. That's it, no you, fun. That's Judd, 17. You, that's you're, what you're going to turn into Patrick Royce by 2040. <laughs> well, I might do that, but so here, but here's what I don't, don't get. So I totally understand what you're saying Forno, but what I don't get is this guys like O'Connell, uh, Shanahan. These guys are like literal, like magicians, right? Offensively. I mean, they do nothing but think about offensive plays and personnel mm-hmm. groups and stuff. So, I understand that they grew up, you know, with dads who were traditional football guys and grew up watching a game that, you know, had the closer PAT. But wouldn't the wouldn't the mad scientist side of your brain win out at times for one of these guys to say, you know what, screw it. I have enough confidence in my ability to call plays, give personnel group looks where we can cause enough confusion to go for it. I'm not saying every single time, but I'm saying more frequently then we see that's what surprises me. Cause I mean, these guys are, are a lot of them offensively brilliant. Well, uh, a lot of the old head kind of discussion, it starts from ownership down. Ownership was brought up the same way. You're n- you don't have like 25 year old owners. Like these guys took a long time to make their money. These yeah. franchises are worth billions and billions of dollars. So it, it's a trickle down effect. And you know, Ronald Reagan talked about trickle down economics. Well, that kind of thing, just like in the corporate ladder trickles down as well. These guys are fighting for their jobs year in year out. And it's, there's so many little nuances and complications. Have you guys ever heard of the high school coach in Alabama who goes for every fourth down, never punts and always attempts an onside kick. I read it a couple of years. I read a story about a couple of years ago. Dude wins state titles and he wins games like a hundred to 20. Like, it's he he just figured out the percentages and you know what if we don't get a fourth and 10 in our own 20 that yeah, we'll score the next drive and he ended up going to um a, like a d2 college and i think he went back to high school just because of oh yeah <laughs> yes. it, it wasn't due to lack of success it was some other reason but gotcha. that like that kind of thinking is starting to seep more and more and more and more into football and the more it does the better off we're going to be from an entertainment standpoint Absolutely. All right, here's my uh, second and final far too bold, far too early Vikings prediction for the coming season. And I'll preface this by saying I understand that the Pro Bowl is not played now. The teams are are named, which I absolutely love. And I really don't care about the Pro Bowl, but this is just going to put in context the improvement that we are going to see from this player in particular. Ed Ingram is going to be named to the Pro Bowl. Ed Ingram is going to become a Pro Bowl player, and here's why. Here. Here is my reasoning. It might be crazy, but here is why I think that. I think the Vikings are now run by people who get get offense. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think they're dumb. 
and it's their job. Like like they are they are at the point that Zim was circa 2015, right? Defensively, which is this this guy O'Connell and, and and his staff knows exactly what they are looking at. Ed Ingram, fairly high draft pick, was allowed to start despite the obvious struggles that we all saw. Was allowed to start every single game, and in doing that, he did improve. But I think most importantly. That vote of confidence doesn't come unless a, your coaching staff thinks, you know what, there's a lot more here. And I think it's going to pay off, and I think that he's going to turn into a very solid right guard. Pro Bowl might be a, a little bit high, but it's just a way to contextualize, I think, the, that I think Ed Ingram is going to have a very good year in year two after getting a lot of rough experience in year one. Look, I'm... I'm bullish on Ed Ingram. I think that he can be really good and letting him work through those warts last year was so big for his development because the only way you can get better in a position like that is by learning on the fly and then taking a full off season and really understanding why you lost when you did and what your strengths were when you won and taking all that information and improving yourself. He's got O'Neal Bradbury's even improved. And I think those factors, yeah. you have Cleveland, who's an average guard. And I've been talking about guards don't matter for a long time. The whole point of guards don't matter is that you just need average. Just don't have bad. Just be average. And if Ed Ingram can just become average, just imagine how much that's going to do for Kirk Cousins in this offense. Same with Ezra Cleveland. Like th- This is the first time we aren't talking about the offensive line being any form of negative in a long time like since steve hutchinson bryant mckinney phil loadholt like this is this feels incredible that we finally have a line that we can feel good about and i think ed ingram is really going to take that next step and it's it's going to be really fun to watch especially as they start to move more towards 12 personnel and this is i'm really excited i i'm kind of stumbling over my words a little bit because i'm trying to find the right superlative but yeah, this is a this is going to be a fun unit to watch. Jack, your your final thoughts on that? Yeah, I like it too. I mean, Ed Ingram is the last piece in that in that cog to hopefully get better, right? And Garrett Bradbury, if you replicate that success, I still like that line. You know, Brian O'Neill worries me, and Achilles on a big guy like that. Like, I I understand it wasn't the catastrophic injury that we ever thought it was, but that's that just worries me. Like, that's how you chop down yeah. the tree. Um, yeah. But if Ed Ingram even just takes a half step forward, and he's half better next season, and you just kind of basically take everyone else in that line and you replicate the success from 2022, then it should be even an improved line. It's the best the line has felt and looked in quite some time. Just continuity, right? Like mm-hmm. you're not switching out a guard. That, that That's the thing too, is I, I think because offensive lines are not, are not ordinarily juggernauts like they're ordinarily, they've got, you know, good players here, a weak link there. Right. I think the most important thing is one, um, assuming O'Neill comes back healthy, you got two damn good tackles, which is absolutely huge. But two, you just have continuity now that, that you sort of trust as opposed to who's being switched out at right guard now, who is playing left guard. You know, I'm, the the poster child move for the end of, of the Zim, and I think probably more so Spielman era, was Ole Udo, who is probably an okay tackle, arbitrarily being moved to guard. Like with no rhyme or reason of oh, okay, and it's not the same spot. And shockingly, he failed. So I I think the fact that this offense looks co- 
competent at worst, and it's really good at best. It's such a nice thing. Tyler Fornis, great stuff. Check out his stuff. As I said before, the best place for your one-stop shopping for Vikings information, both print and otherwise, vikingswire.com. You're going to find some sports dad there as well, so I am tooting my own horn, but uh, vikingswire.com. I'm Judd. He's Declan. Declan, uh, fill us in on on any other key details before we go. Yeah, just hit that subscribe button for Daily Vikings Entertainment. We got a live edition of Feedback Friday, of course, tomorrow, plus uh, Saturday Checkdown Vikings event line this weekend. So even uh, in the dwells of these off-season talk, we're still uh, able to pump out a lot of content here on Purple Daily for Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die.